Breakfast at the Broker. Good morning. Every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., we have another exciting guest, and let's get to it. And now, by way of Coral Springs, Florida, she is an ICF accredited certified executive coach and certified career coach with 14 plus experience years working on Wall Street and commercial real estate. She is the CEO of Jacqueline Beck Consulting. She's a recipient of the 2018 Rising Star Award through the Women's Bond Club for accomplished and future leadership potential and financial services. She's a wife, a mother, and a problem solver. Stand up and make some noise for Jacqueline Beck. Good morning. Good morning. That was really fun. <laughs> well, you know, every once in a while, you know, you got to get to liven it up every Tuesday morning, especially after Martin Luther King and most people are off and you know, you got to bring it up. That was very fun. I feel like I need to have you like in the corner of my house when I wake up in the morning to get me pumped up with energy. Sounds good. So good morning. Thank you very much for coming. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, you've done some, uh, some pretty amazing things and, you know, let's talk a little bit about like leadership and, and, and your, a little bit of your journey, yeah. um, and you know, how you're uh, going about in 2023. Sure. Um, well, I guess I'll start with me. Sure. So my background is like you said, in commercial real estate and I worked on wall street at a big bank throughout the entirety of my real estate career. And I was incredibly fortunate. I know a lot of people don't say this about Wall Street, but I was incredibly fortunate to work with wonderfully supportive people who gave me a tremendous amount of opportunity. So starting right out of college, I went into the group and got to see the world tour, I call (laughs) it. So I got to do asset management for a few years where I was effectively helping to negotiate leases with commercial tenants. I was primarily focused on office buildings, retail centers, industrial warehouses, and then also um, working on the the multifamily apartment side as well, working on overseeing renovation projects. So I remember my first day on the job, I got to pick out carpet samples and I was like, Ooh, this is cool, (laughs) right? This is different. You should have had your own reality TV show. I don't know know about that. I don't know about that. Um, and, and valuing the real estate assets. So, you know, a lot of Excel, a lot of understanding projections and discounted cash flow models, all that stuff. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to move in house to the acquisitions team where I was basically running deals. So going out and instead of managing the projects, once we owned them, going out and figuring out what we wanted to buy. Right. And that was really interesting. That was more geographic. So I'm originally from the D.C. area. I ended up covering D.C. I went to college in Atlanta, ended up covering Atlanta. My parents were always in Florida, ended up covering Florida. You're seeing a pattern. Um, And so, you know, really got to see a lot there as well. Actually had the opportunity to move to London for a year. Oh, wow. Which was incredible. Um, And then when I came back, they asked me to move to the capital raising team. So this particular uh, organization I was with, they raised capital through open-ended funds and they also had closed-end fund vehicles. So I was primarily working for the open-ended funds, going out to institutional investors, pension funds, corporate, you know, corporate pensions and saying invest with us for all these great reasons. Um, And then they moved me to fund management where I was working on uh, two funds that were focused in the defined contribution space. Uh, so, so got to do a lot of different stuff. And throughout that journey, I, I realized a few things that stood out to me. Um, number one, 
what I really enjoyed and what I was really good at came down to two things. It was strategy. I'm a strategy person. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I always love the people aspect of it. Really? So I do. You like people? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Not all people. But see, that's interesting <laughs> because that brings me to my next point, which is that I kept seeing these really smart, really great investors get promoted to management positions when sometimes they didn't like people, just Mm -hmm. like you said, um, or just didn't really want to deal with the management responsibility, which is ultimately the most important responsibility when you're leading a team or leading a group of people. They wanted to focus on the real estate because that's what they love. Sure. And I kept seeing this repeat and repeat and repeat. And I saw the effects it had on culture which unsurprisingly weren't necessarily positive, (laughs) right? Um, And it almost felt like a lot of times people were putting Band-Aids on, you know, wounds, right? right? As opposed to going and getting the stitches that you need. Um, And so, so that stayed with me as well. And concurrently, as I was progressing through my career and getting increasingly senior, the powers that be kept wanting me to, you know, focus, pigeonhole. But I always liked doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I liked, you know, I I would see a gap and I would say, oh, here's a problem. Here's a solution. Let me run with it. And they would let me run with it. The more senior I got, they didn't let me do that because I I had to focus more on my day job. And I really missed the problem solving piece of it. So that led me to launching my own business, uh, which is Jacqueline Beck Consulting, where I I call myself a business and career strategist, where I'm basically doing two things. I'm helping small businesses scale, institutionalize, and be strategic in how they're managing their business and planning out their years and planning out their people management and planning out, you know, their their growth strategy, et cetera. Isn't it easier to wing it, though? (laughs) (laughs) You're talking to the wrong person if you think that. So, I mean, well, you know, you're looking at like all these small businesses, right? Like, yeah. you know, what I think, I think the statistics like crazy, like 90% of them like fail over yes. a portion, uh, you know, over five years or so. And, um, you know, when you look at it and most of it is because, you know, they don't have a plan or they don't have a strategy or yes. they don't, you know, organized in their, their thoughts and, and, and understand the future and what that will hold. Um, you know, you mentioned something about leadership. Mm-hmm. And leadership, you know, a lot of times, um, as you said, you know, if you don't like people, um, it's going to be a little difficult because if you're a selfish leader, you're not a leader. You know, you're, you're just, you know, running around doing your own thing. You might as well be an employee to, you know, to whoever you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, but leadership to me is someone who makes you better. You know, those yes. people underneath you or... And I don't like the underneath. Like, I hate the hierarchy stuff. Like, you know, hey, you got the manager and the general manager and the regional manager and all these different things. You know, we give these people titles, you know, and and I'm going on way off on a tangent. But um, so soccer, right? So Mm -hmm. or football, um, you know, they realized um, years ago that when they tell someone like kids as they're coming up, they say, hey, you're a defender, you're an attacker, you're a you know, center striker or whatever. Um, they realized that what they were doing was kind of labeling them. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden now you're the defender 
mm-hmm. but you're not a defender because you're a defender and attacker because you, when you have the ball, you're an attacker. When you don't have the ball, you're the defender, and, it, and it's all of them. So what they did is they assigned numbers. So you're number one, two, three, four, and all the way up to, you know, 11. And, and so it was interesting to me. That's how business strategy should work. We should stop talking or about labeling of what you should or shouldn't do. What should leaders do in 2023, especially with all the noise and distractions that all these things are coming at you? Yeah. So leadership can take on many different hats and it can look very different, right? Because leaderships can span to being at the helm of an organization, to being at the helm of a team, to even being a leader within a team, right? Sure. Just because you don't have a title doesn't mean that you're not somebody that people looks up to, look up to. And um, what I would say is for those folks who are at the helms of teams and organization, my whole philosophy comes down to three things. Okay. Clarity, mm-hmm. communication, and relationships. Yeah, and usually people are not good at any one of those three. Well, we overcomplicate <laughs> them, right? You know, I mean, it's very human to overcomplicate. How, how do you become good at communication? Because you know, so many people are so bad at it, and um, you know, and 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 they think they're good at it, but they're not articulating their um, their words or uh, their thoughts, yeah. expressing their thoughts in a way that you know I'm receiving them the way I should way I intended them to be received. Yeah. So that's a very loaded question and I can take it in a very esoteric (laughs) way, which I'm happy to do. Um, But at, you know, the 36,000 foot view, step one is clarity, right? I like to use the metaphor of, uh, you know, Google Maps. If you put a destination in Google Maps, but Siri's talking back to you in German, I don't happen to speak German, right? You have clarity of where you're going, but the communication is lacking. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to get where you need to be. The opposite is true too. You could be having a great conversation with, with Siri chatting away, but if there's no destination in the, where are you going bar, you know, you're not going to get where you need to go either. So step one is clarity. What is this conversation about? What is the goal of this conversation? What are the points I need to get across? If you're managing someone, what are those very clear expectations that I need to communicate? What happens if those expectations are not met, right? What is the timeline? It's very simple, but who, what, when, where, why, how? Mm-hmm. Answering those questions, really getting clear on what that is before you go into a conversation makes it a lot easier to have it. Then there's the actual implementation part, the communication part. And that's where we can get a little theoretical and uh, esoteric. But it comes down to the fact that your perception is different from my perception. And so in any type of relational dialogue, it comes down to understanding. The hardest thing for me to learn was that you can't control how people react to you. you can, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you can only control how you say it and what you say. I know. My therapist says the same thing, by the way. <laughs> Shocking. I think every therapist says that. Um, so, so a lot of it is, okay, once you're clear on the message, who is your audience? You know, I don't know you that well yet, but right. the more we, we speak the more I can get a sense of how you react to certain things. I can get a sense of your personality. And that allows me to be a little bit more informed about how to answer a question 
or ask a question, right? People have different levels of defensiveness. People have different levels of excitement. And it's really about playing into the, the strengths and the understanding of the other person. And then there's also the sense of, okay, well, if I don't quite understand something, because understanding could mean something to you different than it means to me, ask a question and get curious and figure out what that is. So that's the clarity. That's the communication. And then there's the everything is with relationships. I think those two things are the building blocks to the third, which really just comes down to don't be an asshole and be a good person. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the hardest thing, especially in Boca. Uh, <laughs> I've met a lot of assholes in, <laughs> in Boca. Um, just kidding. I love Boca. Uh, um, you know, it, it, it's funny because uh, we could go in all different ways, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, I teach a lot of the agents is that, you know, when you're going on a listing presentation, um, too often we go into a listing presentation. We we say we sit down with them. Oh, your house is beautiful. Uh, you know, I want to. You know, I know you want to sell it. That's great. You know, what price? You know, mm-hmm. you're 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 asking the seller when you're the informer or whatever. Um, you know, what price or whatever, and and you're not asking enough questions mm-hmm. to make a determination as to. It's not a, just about price. It's about need. Like. You know, if, if I ask them, you know, why do you want to move? And they say, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, I just want more space. Yeah. You know, the why is not necessarily strong enough. But if I ask them, why do you need to move or why do you want to move? You know, my sister has cancer and, she, you know, I want to be close to her so I can take care of her. That's a different need and different why. They're going to, you know, so you have to really take everything into account when, making a, a decision and asking questions with the intent to understand them. Yeah. You know? And you bring up a really interesting point because the sales conversation is a completely different thing. Hmm. And I work with a lot of people who are doing capital raising and want to refine their quote unquote pitch um, or want to refine their process around prospecting and going out and finding new clients. And I always tell them one ask questions. Your first conversation is about information gathering. An interesting thing about what you said, um, interrogatively led uh, questions like who, what, how, where, when, fantastic. Why? Use it sparingly because it actually puts people on a defensive back foot. And there's a lot of empirical evidence about that, which I was shocked by when I learned that. It can make, it can almost sound like, well, why? Huh? Why do you think that? But if you say, why are you moving or what's driving you toward moving or what's driving this decision for you, you get a lot more facts. And when people reveal information, it starts with facts, then opinions, then emotions. And people tend, especially in the residential real estate business, to take to make decisions from an emotional level. So that's a little side note about why. But asking questions and then. I think a big mistake salespeople and capital raisers make is they go into a, again, quote unquote pitch. I use quotes purposefully because they're like, great, let me talk at you and tell you about this amazing product I want to sell you. And it's like, no, 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 no. Ask questions, figure out what's driving the decision making process, figure out what they're trying to get from this and then make it a collaborative conversation tailor your comments to what they want or they need. If you just start going out on your spiel, you're going to lose them in the first 
five minutes. Yeah, but my spiel is the best spiel ever. Yeah, well, <laughs> everyone says yeah, that, David. It's amazing. You know, it's like uh, I'm uh, involved in a uh, in a portal, and, and, and a lot of times um, I'm the one who's giving the pitch. Yeah. And, you know, it, and you try and you self-reflect, and you're like, all right, well, that went well, but it could have done this, or I could have asked this question, or mm-hmm. I, I could have tried to understand who – you know, was my audience, right? The yeah. first, first uh, you know, really thing that you should be doing is considering your audience. Um, you know, let's pivot a little bit. Yep. So you came down from D.C. to Florida, um, right? Or With a few stops uh, in between, uh, but yeah. Uh, London, New York, or whatever. Yeah, D.C., Atlanta, right. Where's and New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where in the world is Jackie? Uh, <laughs> so... When, did you use a did you use a realtor when you came down here? We did not. So would you did you do by like Zillow or like online or? Yeah. So um, my parents and my in laws mm-hmm. both live in well lived one moved but in the same neighborhood mm-hmm. in Palm Beach Gardens. Okay. And so my husband and I have both been coming down here since we were very young, so we always knew the area, um, and. You know, we fled COVID like so many other people in New York City mm-hmm. came down. One thing led to another and we decided to stay here. And frankly, just from networking in the area and knowing people, we learned about the community we live in and we really boiled it down to three communities, went and saw them and made a very quick decision, which is very <laughs> out of my comfort zone. I have to give him credit so, though. Cause did we you bought go to a listing stuff. agent or did you uh, buy new or whatever? Uh, new construction. New construction. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was through the developer. I got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, the reason why I ask is because, you know, a lot of times people come down here and, and, you know, I, I'm always intrigued by, you know, how they found the realtor, you mm-hmm. know, uh, what makes a good realtor, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, you know, how would, you know, do you, I mean, I have so, a lot of opinions on that. Because I lived uh, in New York City and moved uh, every year and a half. Actually, uh, Ryan Serhant was on uh, Breakfast of the Broker during COVID as well on streaming. And and he was interesting about, um, you know, about things that were happening in New York and and whatnot. And, you know, the real estate landscape in New York is like a hundred times weirder than Florida. Like it's, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. But I would be very interested. What makes a good realtor? Yeah. Uh, And, and. Would you use a realtor in the future? Well, 100%. I I absolutely would. I think that they're necessary, especially if you're buying an existing home. I mean, if we ever sell our home, I'm going to have to use a realtor. So, I mean, yes, the answer is yes. I think when it comes to... So why would you use a realtor to sell your house? Because access, yeah. Because there's, you know, there's all these different sites that, you know, say, hey, you could just post it on, and you could do these different things. And it's too much of a headache. Yeah, yeah. You know, these people, you know, realtors. I, I'm a big believer in expertise, mm-hmm. right? And um, there's a reason why there's an entire bustling, massive industry around this, and it's because it's more complicated than you think to buy and sell a house. And this is coming from somebody who used to buy and sell commercial real estate, right? right? I mean, it's a lot more complicated than you think. And especially in the residential space, it can be so emotional. Sure. I think having that intermediary is key. 100%. Which goes back to your question of what makes a good broker. I think it's that interpersonal connection. I think it's arguably even more important in the residential real estate space than a lot of other business because 
you are dealing with people who either lost a spouse in a house or raised their children in a house or are looking to find the place where they're going to put roots and raise their children. And so it's a very emotional decision and it's not, you know, the cap rate is X and the cash flow on an annual basis is Y. So I get to my total return, right? It's not as rational sometimes as that. And so I think because it's, I mean, I use this term loosely, but theoretically a more irrational decision because it's so specific to each person being able to build that connection and being able to have somebody who asks you questions and wants to get to know you and understand your motivations. I think that ultimately is what makes a a strong broker. I like it. I like it a lot. You know, um, I always say like the number one skill that a real estate agent, um, I guess does for seller or buyer in a transaction or a renter for that matter is taking the emotion out of the transaction. Oh, I thought you were going to say be a therapist. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, we, we definitely do that. You know, <laughs> listen, I think, you know, I never had a therapist before uh, COVID. <laughs> and, and, and it's funny. It's like, and, and you're like, but I know everything. Like, whatever. Like, uh, I don't need, I, I self-reflect every day. And then you start talking to someone and they're like, you got control issues. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm the nicest, easygoing guy. What are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, Don't touch that. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, my impulsive uh, reactions to uh, certain situations yeah. are like, you know, I, I yell to control the situation rather than uh, than sit back. But um, uh, as I digress. But, uh, you know. As far as taking the emotion out of the transaction, yeah, it's so important because even when I go ahead and list or, 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 or buy a property, um, many times I'll use a realtor in my office because I don't want that one-on-one thing because more times than not, I'm going to be taken advantage of. Not all the time. Sometimes I'll take advantage of them, but most of the time I'm because I'm relatively a nice guy and I, you know, money is not the real reason why I do things. So like whatever is 10,000 or 20,000 more or whatever it is, you know, I, I said, well, I want peace. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to please people. Right. So because of my personality, it's not a good idea to be one-on-one with a seller who may be more analytical, more, mm-hmm. you know, more, uh, you know, can, you know, maybe ruthless mm-hmm. um, than I am. So, yeah, I, I definitely believe that. And I think experience and expertise is huge. I think too many, too often right now, we have 225,000 licensed realtors in the state of Florida. We have um, another 230 or 40,000 in um, uh, licensees that are not members of the National Association of Realtors. So you're talking nearly 500,000 licensed real estate professionals in the state of Florida. And, 52% of them don't do a single transaction in a year. So, I mean, that's a problem with the industry. Yeah. Um, but second, you got to be very careful who you choose, mm-hmm. like as a realtor, because they have to be experienced. It can't just be no like and trust. A lot of times that's what it has been in the past. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up so many, so many good <laughs> points in what you just said. The first being self-reflection and knowing yourself, because that's step one of my process. And I think that is important in so many ways, whether someone is managing a difficult situation at work, whether someone's deciding to transition careers or leave their job, taking the emotion out can can help provide that clarity, right? 
exactly what you're talking about. And then the second is what you're talking about expertise and experience. You know, yes, I say you have to be a good person. You also want to make sure that you're entrusting yourself to somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. And I think that's the same, whether or not you're working with a realtor or a therapist or a coach, right. Whatever it may be, you know, working with somebody that, you know, has the proof in the pudding, right. To back up their, their claims is, is important as well. Yep. So I always end the uh, breakfast at the broker with Mm -hmm. two questions. Great. One is, what's your favorite streaming series or movie of all time? Game of Thrones. Ah, me too, by the way. And uh, <laughs> I didn't even have to think about it. It was, it was awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to that. And what are you currently watching? Okay, so I said Game of Thrones really fast. Um, I also was a big fan of Lost, but I hated the way it ended. Me too. I love the, I love the like getting into the TV shows with on Reddit and figuring out the theories and what's going to happen. And right. I totally geek out when it comes to that. Uh, what am I currently watching? I just finished two shows on Netflix that were very good. One was, I think it was called treason. Okay. It was about an MI six agent. Okay. Um, and then the other one was the recruit. Yes. I, um, about the CIA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started that. Yeah. That was good. It was, uh, it was cute. It's like cute ish. Like it's like, it's yeah. good, but it's like, it, it like, Sometimes it's like, you know, just a little, uh, hokey. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I but guess it was entertaining. Right. No, no, no. It's yeah. very entertaining. Um, I need a good new series. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in limbo so, right now. So I've given this before, but I, I, I don't know. It really took to me, I guess, but, uh, like most people really liked it and it was one person that didn't, but it's called inside man. Um, okay. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but, um, it's basically about two death row inmates that I think um, I've seen it that solve murders or solve missing people and oh, that's interesting it, it's only four it's four hours right basically four episodes yeah um and and it was really good um but yeah that's the story so where can we find you sure so uh the best way is via my website www.jacklinbeckconsulting.com. You can also email us at info at jacklinbeckconsulting.com or you can find us on Instagram at jacklinbeckconsulting.com. So you can see a theme there. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on Breakfast with the Broker. Um, We talked about clarity. We definitely talked about uh, expertise in real estate agents. We talked about leadership. Um, you know, you need business strategy for 2023 or you're going to fail. So, uh, make sure that you listen to Jacqueline and, uh, and if you need help with a small business, uh, with strategies and planning and scaling, uh, definitely look her up and, uh, she's great. So thank Thank you you. so much for uh, coming on breakfast with the broker every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m.